everybody. We are back. It's your host and your boy, Joey Capusta. We are back for another episode of Ball or Nothing. And what we're going to do, guys, is we are going to jump into draft season here. This is our second episode of season two. Uh, we did an episode about a few weeks back just to kind of let everybody know that, yes, we are back. And we also ran a poll on Twitter on the Ball or Nothing Twitter handle at BON underscore pod. Asking you guys what you wanted to see, what you wanted to hear. And the feedback we got was mock drafts. We are getting close to draft time. So what better way to kick it off than to do some mock drafts? What I'm going to do for you guys is I am going to break this up into three different episodes. We're going to do a 1 through 10 mock. We're going to do 11 through 21 mock. And then we'll finish it off 22 to 32. Once we compare my mock with the other people we're going to have on the show, some of the usual suspects, some of the usual hosts that you've seen, some new people as well to add some fresh perspective. We're going to do some dueling mocks, and then we're also going to alternate picks. Uh, We're going to incorporate trades, go back and forth. But for now, for this first mock with your host, Joey, what I'm going to do is I'm going to run down my top 10 here, the first 10 picks of this mock draft for you, for some entertainment. And then you can come back and yell at me and tell me how wrong I am, how dumb I am, and how on draft day, none of this made sense. So let's go ahead and let's kick it off, guys. Ball or nothing, season two, 2021, first mock draft. Here we go. So on the board, number one, Jacksonville Jaguars, it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. There's not much we need to talk about here, discuss, debate. Trevor Lawrence is the pick. You could write it in blood. You could write it in a magic marker. You could write it on a stone tablet. Trevor Lawrence, Clemson quarterback. There is no debating this pick. It's done. So let's go ahead and move on to number two with the New York Jets. Um, this is something you could write down, I want to say, in marker two. Definitely in pen. But it's going to be Zach Wilson, quarterback out of BYU. Now, I know a lot of people are talking about Zach Wilson didn't play anybody, his level of competition. I don't like his tape. I don't see the infatuation. Well, the kid has arm talent. He has the ability to make throws that are off script. He has the ability to make weird arm angled throws. And what I mean by that is if you've seen Patrick Mahomes type throws, Aaron Rodgers, and no, I'm not saying he's as good as those guys. I am not saying he is those guys. I'm saying the arm angle type where the throw may not be there in a complex window that you see at any given time, but because of the play breaking down, because of the arm angle, he's able to make that throw in that tight window and improvise. And improvising at the quarterback position has become bigger than ever, especially at the NFL level. So the New York Jets are going to be taking Zach Wilson at number two, quarterback BYU. Now number three is the San Francisco 49ers. We all know about the trade that they made to come all the way up to the number three pick. They gave up three years of first-round picks just to do this and get their guy. They want a quarterback for Kyle Shanahan's offense that they know is going to be able to lead them, that they know is going to be able to operate it at a high level. And honestly, I think Shanahan and company are looking for a quarterback, almost like we talked about with Zach Wilson, who has the ability to make plays off script, whether that be with his legs whether that be with crazy arm angles, whether that be with elite arm strength, whether that be with improvisation. Yes, I use that word, improvisation. Um, So I know a lot of people are talking about Mac Jones. Mac Jones is the pick at three. I personally don't buy it. I don't believe it. For the San Francisco 49ers, if you take Mac Jones, how is he any different than what Jimmy Garoppolo has been giving you? Be honest. 
you play within the system, you play within the scheme, you play within the most quarterback-friendly offense and scheme there is, which is a Kyle Shanahan scheme. We've seen it. So why would you just want a Garoppolo 2.0 almost and trade all those assets for it? Just keep Jimmy G and keep rolling out with that and adding weapons around him. But instead, they risked trading away future assets, those future first-round picks, like we said, to hopefully get a guy that, one, can operate in Shanahan's system, but also make plays off script. And that is huge today in today's NFL. Because of that, I have the San Francisco 49ers taking Justin Fields at number three. Again, I'm not buying the Mac Jones hype. He's a good player. But they really want somebody that can give them more than just average, getting it done, playing within the system. I think Justin Fields' arm strength, athleticism, um, and talent is exactly what they're looking for. If they want to have him sit behind Jimmy G, great. I don't see the point of that. But again, for San Francisco, we're going Justin Fields here, quarterback, Ohio State. Now, pick number four, Atlanta Falcons. They are in an interesting spot here. They have Matt Ryan on the books for two more years, essentially, because the dead money that they're going to accrue if they were to cut or trade him, is astronomical. I will say this. In today's NFL, we've seen teams more aggressive in going after quarterbacks, making trades, and even taking on dead cap hits. You look at teams like the Philadelphia Eagles with their dead cap on Carson Wentz, with the Los Angeles Rams, Jared Goff, with Detroit Lions, Matthew Stafford. Even though those two players were traded for each other, they're still dead cap that's being accrued. And we've seen teams kind of scoff at the notion of taking that on because all that matters to them is getting the right signal caller, getting the right guy under center, and getting that guy that's going to lead your team. Now, we've seen a regime change in Atlanta. Uh, Arthur Smith is now the head coach, and they have a new GM as well. So neither the GM or the head coach selected Matt Ryan. They are not tied to him in any regard. I understand the financial ramifications of being tied to him on paper, but If you're a new GM and a new head coach, what better way to prolong your stay in this new city and team and your contract than to draft a quarterback? This way, you can go to your owner and say, I need time. I need five years to develop my guy. I need four years to develop my guy. He sat behind Matt Ryan for one year, so really, that buys me another year of time. This is kind of a built-in excuse for your team to not be that good or up to par to where you could just say, hey, we took a rookie quarterback. It's going to take some time. You were on board with this. You understand that. And again, with today's NFL, the way teams are willing to take on that dead cap, like unlike any other year before, I can see Atlanta jumping on the quarterback market too. Now, for the sake of this mock, we're not going to be doing trades, trade ups, trades down. We're going to do that in a future episode. So bear with me here. I do think this is a prime spot for Atlanta to trade out of. A QB needy team, whether that be Denver trading up, whether it be, you know, New England trading up, whoever, a mystery team, whatever the case is. But for the sake of this episode and this mock draft, I'm going to have the Atlanta Falcons selecting Trey Lance, quarterback, North Dakota State University. I think Trey is the perfect person to actually sit behind a veteran quarterback and learn a little bit. Again, I don't believe that if you take a guy in top five, top 10, especially a quarterback, that you should have them sit behind and learn behind someone. I know you could point to several examples of where that has worked out, but let the kid play. You, You need to see what you have. 
But in this situation, due to Trey Lance and his limited starter snaps and the fact that he had a season cut short due to COVID, uh, North Dakota State didn't play but one game this past year. Um, So he doesn't have a lot of starter reps, but he does have that raw talent and ability and upside. So I'm going to go with Atlanta Falcons taking Trey Lance at number four. Now, we have four quarterbacks go off the board for the first time in NFL draft history, and we're sitting here at number five with the Cincinnati Bengals on the board. They have the luxury of taking the best non-quarterback in this entire draft. We know they're not going quarterback because they have Joe Burrow, who they took number one overall last year. Um, Very promising in limited action. He showed good arm strength. Cincinnati's really excited about him. Zach Taylor and company definitely want to build around him. Now, I know the debate going around the Twitterverse is Penny Sewell versus Jamar Chase for this pick. And hear me out. The Cincinnati Bengals have a receiving core that is comprised of Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and Auden Tate. Now, I implore you, with those three young receivers they have, tell me about their offensive line. Tell me what happened to Joe Burrow last year. He got injured. He was hit a lot. He was under pressure a lot. How are you able to see your number one overall pick, the face of your franchise, your quarterback of both the present and the future, succeed without protecting him? We've seen what happens to quarterbacks who aren't protected. I mean, you could take a look at Andrew Luck. He retired early. You could take a look at what happened last year with Carson Wentz. He regressed because he was getting hit constantly because he didn't have the weapons around him. You could look at this with any other quarterback in the league. You could have the best weapons at wide receiver, tight end, running back. But if you don't have that protection, you're not going to be successful. That being said, the trio of wide receivers I just named are good enough. I'm not saying they're great, but they are good enough to do well in this system with Joe Burrow. But I do think that they need their book into the future and they need a mauler and they need a nasty protector for Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, and that offense. So I'm going with Penny Sewell. Hope I pronounced that right. Tackle out of Oregon. He doesn't have to play tackle right away on the first day if he doesn't want to, but they would be smart to do that and slide someone like Jonah Williams in at guard possibly. Um, but you got to protect your investment. You have to protect your investment or else it doesn't matter who you have at wide receiver. We've seen this countless of times. Build through the trenches if you want to protect a young quarterback. So I'm going Penny Sewell, number five, to the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, we are up at number six with the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins made a trade with the Philadelphia Eagles to move up from 12 to 6 after they moved down from 3 to 12 with the Niners previously. So Miami has had their eye on someone. When they were trading out of 3, they traded down to 12 with the Niners because they were able to accumulate multiple first-round picks in the future. They did that, then they also traded back with the Eagles to 6, They gave up one of those first-round picks, but they still have a plethora there. They're good to go. But by trading up with six before seeing how the board fell, that means that they have their eye on someone. They were going to take someone at three with this same pick that they are now going to take at six, but they wanted to assure themselves that they'd be able to do it. So they traded up to six. Maybe three was too rich for the player that they wanted, and they didn't want to fall under that scrutiny. However, at number six... The Miami Dolphins are going to select Kyle Pitts. 
tight end slash wide receiver slash hybrid slash chess piece slash freak out of Florida. This is going to be a guy that you can pair with Mike Gusecki to make Tua's life that much better. Let's face it. The Miami Dolphins have to figure out what they're doing with Tua. Is he the guy? Is he not the guy? Do we have a large enough sample size? Is he a good fit for this team? Whatever the case is. But they've got to surround him. Um, I know Jamar Chase might be a popular pick here too. However, I really think that having a guy like Kyle Pitts allows you so many different options to help Tua out. You could run that 12 personnel, those two tight end sets, and you have two monsters in Gusecki and Pitts who are contested ball catchers, who are big bodies. This allows your defense to be confused now. You don't know if you want to go big nickel, dime. You don't know what defense you're going to play. So I really think adding that element as a big body pass catcher helps somebody like Tua and also helps him in the run game as well. Um, This way you have a lighter box. This way you can set up in line with Kyle Pitts and Gusecki and then flex them out. Now you have a lighter box when the linebackers have to go out there and try to make an attempt to cover one of those freaks while you have a lighter box to run the football in. So I think this is the best way to gauge Tua and this offense to see is go Kyle Pitts, number six. You can still line him up at the X if you want to. He's that good of a player. So number six, Miami, Kyle Pitts, University of Florida, freak. Now we're to number seven with the Detroit Lions. Um, The Detroit Lions obviously uh, made headlines by trading away Matt Stafford. In return, they were able to get some future picks as well as get Jared Goff back. I feel like Jared Goff was a throw-in. You know, you ever go to a fast food restaurant and you order, you know, uh, we'll say Chick-fil-A, for example. You order a chicken sandwich um, with fries and a drink. And you look down in your bag when you get it and, oh, they included a six-piece nugget. I didn't want the six-piece nugget, but I'll take it. It's nice. It's an extra benefit added, but it's not really what I came here for. That's how I feel like Jared Goff is to the Detroit Lions. It's nice. Cool. Now we have a quarterback. That's great. Not really what we wanted. We weren't really looking to solve our quarterback problem after Matt Stafford leaves by filling it with Jared Goff. But do I need to eat? Yeah. I mean, can I eat this? Of course. Is it good? Sure. So I'll eat this. I'll take Jared Goff here as my quarterback. Now, I think Detroit is still going to roll with Goff, see what they have for him, see if he can rejuvenate, reincarnate, whatever you want to call it, another system outside of that Rams system with McVay where he was successful. But a lot like the Kyle Shanahan system, it relies on timing. It relies on rhythm. It relies you to be so in tune with every step of that play. It takes a lot of the decision-making out of the quarterback's hands. One read and go. This is where we're going on this play. This is where we're going there. Two steps and rip. So it'll be interesting to see what offense they incorporate in Detroit for golf. But here at number seven, I think they give him a weapon. They lost Kenny Galladay. They lost Marvin Jones. They really don't have any weapons if they're going to try and see if Jared Goff works out. We just talked about Jamar Chase being a potential pick at five or six. This is where Jamar Chase goes. Number seven to the Detroit Lions. Look, I, I won't hide it. I think Jamar Chase is one of the best players in this draft. He's a physical freak. He's amazing at the catch point. He's a great route runner. He's athletic, as you can see from his testing numbers at his pro day. I mean, the guy just does it all, and he attacks the football. He's an alpha dog receiver. So this is going to be the perfect fit for Detroit. 
Um, they get their number one wide receiver replacing Galladay and hopefully a guy that can mesh with golf or whatever quarterback they have in the future. But number seven, we're going to go Detroit, Jamar Chase, wide receiver, LSU. We are down to number eight now. And number eight, we have the Carolina Panthers. They also made some trade news this offseason by trading for Sam Darnold from the Jets. Um, this indicates that they're moving on from Teddy Bridgewater. There's been, you know, talk that they want to go ahead and trade Teddy. Also, is Darnold that big of an upgrade over Teddy? I think he is, but not a big one. I, so kind of like the Detroit Lions, I feel like they're going to be in a position to test this out for a year or two and see what they have at the quarterback position. And while they're doing that, they better give him every weapon at their disposal in order for him to be good. Because you got to see what you have in these quarterback positions. And what better way to see if they're good or not than by giving them all the tools they need to succeed. Now, Carolina has a great run game. They got Christian McCaffrey coming back. They have Robbie Anderson on the outside. They have DJ Moore. Um, yeah, they just lost Curtis Samuel um, to Washington, but that's still a solid offensive skill set position. What they need is somebody to give Darnold time to get it to those playmakers I just mentioned. So I'm looking at the board, the way it's falling right now, and you still have a blue chip prospect on the O-line in Rashawn Slater, tackle out of Northwestern. Some people think him – and Penesula are 1 and 1A one as far as the best offensive linemen slash tackles in this class. So if I'm Carolina, right here at the number 8 pick, I'm protecting Sam Darnold so he has time to get it to those three weapons that I mentioned above so that Carolina can see what they have in this quarterback. Is this the guy of our future, or is this just a stopgap holder until we get the next guy? But either way, you're going to be protected while doing it, and you're going to carve some lanes out for Christian McCaffrey, too, in the run game. So at number 8, I'm going with Sean Slater. Offensive tackle, Northwestern. We are almost at the last pick in our top 10 here, guys. But now we have a very, very intriguing spot. This is the Denver Broncos at number nine. And Denver is, like I was just mentioning, so interesting of a spot at number nine. We still have one quarterback left of the big five quarterbacks, and that's Mac Jones. I am not a believer in Drew Locke. I don't think the Broncos are either. There have been reports out there. Um, ben Albright, who is in touch with the Denver Broncos as much as anybody, reported that Denver did make a play for Matthew Stafford, but they were unable to make their compensation as high as the Rams were able to. So they missed out on the Matthew Stafford sweet six. But they've been poking around the quarterback market. They've been poking around here and there, talking to different teams, gauging interest, um, there was reports that they were possibly interested in Deshaun Watson, just like every other team on the planet, but we know his legal troubles as well. But that tells me they're not really sold on Drew Locke, and I'm not either. I wouldn't be if I were them, so I get it. But I think in a perfect scenario for Denver, staying here at nine for the purposes of this mock draft, that they would want any other quarterback besides Mac Jones. I feel like that they would like a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance, and they would pull the trigger here at nine. But because they may not be 100% sold on Mac Jones, and I don't think they are. I'm not sure if that's a huge upgrade over Drew Locke. Um, I have them going a different direction here. I actually have the Denver Broncos going Micah Parsons, linebacker, Penn State. Um, if you look at this Denver defense, obviously they have Von Miller on the edge there, but they really don't have any, 
I guess you could say playmaker at linebacker outside of him. And Von Miller is strictly pretty much a pass rusher at this stage of his career. Always has been lined up on the outside, but their secondary is revamped. They just re-signed Justin Simmons. Uh, they signed Ronald Darby. They got Fuller from Chicago. So the secondary is good. They have the end over there with Von Miller. I think they need another linebacker that can be a presence. You look in this division and you have Darren Waller and you have Travis Kelsey at tight end. That could be a problem for anybody. So I think Denver Broncos would want to get themselves a linebacker that can pretty much do it all, but is also really, really good at going downhill on his first step and his first read, kind of like Von Miller is as well. And that's Micah Parsons. Now, I think schematically, JOK, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa would be a better fit here, but I could see them going with him if they were to trade down. I think he's more of a coverage linebacker that could help with those two tight ends I just mentioned in the AFC West. Um, And I think he'd be a perfect fit in that 3-4 that they run. But for the sake of having them at 9 and value, I'm going Micah Parsons at number 9 to the Denver Broncos. And the last pick in this top 10 is the Dallas Cowboys. This is a team that I do not like, but for the sake of this mock, I'm making sure that we try to make this as realistic as possible based off team needs, based off where I would think they go, based off things that make the most sense. So last year, the Dallas Cowboys, obviously, Dak Prescott got hurt and he got his new contract this offseason, but that threw a wrench in their plans during the whole year as Andy Dalton came in as a stopgap. Offense wasn't really clicking as it should. And the defense was on pace to set some historical numbers, but in a bad way. They had a really, really bad defense last year um, from a run game perspective and pass game. They did have a young secondary, though. I will say that Um, you got a guy like Trayvon Diggs back there who showed some promise, but he was kind of thrown to the wolves as a rookie out there on an island outside starting corner when the rest of the defense was bad and wasn't really helping out to begin with, too. So in my opinion, you look at the Dallas Cowboys, you got Dak coming back. If he'll be 100 percent, he's supposed to be. But brand new contract, um, you know, this year, Zeke, Dak, and Amari Cooper will be the highest paid, respectively, at their positions this year. You also spent a first-round pick on C.D. Lamb. You have Michael Gallup, who, in my opinion, is the best receiver overall, pound for pound, on that team. Um, you know, you got a guy like Pollard, who's backing up Zeke, and that O-line, if they're back healthy, should still be one of the top 10 units in the league. So I don't think offense is even in play here for the Dallas Cowboys. I think they have to lean heavily on defense, especially in the early parts of this draft. So I'm looking at the board, pairing Trayvon Diggs with one of his teammates at Alabama. Um, You look at what some people think is the top corner in this draft in Patrick Sertan. He's got great bloodlines, tested well, smart, athletic corner, comes from a great, team obviously in Alabama where they preach defense and they teach defense so at number 10 for the Dallas Cowboys I'm going Patrick Sertan corner out of Alabama and guys just to rerun down this mock draft before we close out this episode again we're going to be doing two more episodes we're going to be hitting you back to back to back so that we can get you one to 32 and then we're going to be bringing other guests on to do dueling mock drafts to tell me how bad my mock draft is And then also to do alternating picks in a final mock draft right before the actual NFL draft. So coming at you, live speed. Here we go. Number one, Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence. Two, Jets, Zach Wilson. Three, 
49ers, Justin Fields. Four, Atlanta Falcons, Trey Lance. Five, Cincinnati, Penny Sewell. Six, Miami Dolphins, Kyle Pitts. Seven, Detroit Lions, Jamar Chase. Eight, Carolina Panthers, Rashawn Slater. Nine, Denver Broncos, Micah Parsons. And ten, Dallas Cowboys, Patrick Sertan. These are all 100% accurate. They're not up for debate, and the draft will go exactly like this. I'm just kidding. There will be trades, and we will do a mock with trades as well. But, guys, this has been our first mock of the year on the Ball or Nothing podcast. Be sure to follow me at ScooterMcGilly1 on Twitter. That's at ScooterMcGilly1. You can also follow the Ball or Nothing network and family at B-O-N underscore pod. That's at B-O-N underscore pod. And be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. We got big things going on. We're going to have some merchandise, some shirt sales. We're going to have some polls up, and we like interacting with you as well. So thank you for tuning in for 1 to 10. We're going to have 11 through 21 coming right at you right around the corner. And as always, thank you so much.